0: We have on the line now Dr. Mikolos. We appreciate you joining us here this morning. And we were just having a, a very spirited conversation uh, about the electric car. John was getting into it. We know that Elon Musk's massive wealth that he's using in a takeover of Twitter comes uh, from the Tesla cars that he makes. But what are the pros and cons? that if uh, America begins switching to electric cars and abandoning the fossil fuel-burning muscle cars that we grew up with, what are the dangers that Americans are facing by being in an electric car?
1: Well, one of the first things we have to talk about for our green, green friends is that the electric car requires a much greater carbon footprint to build and construct it. The other problem is that in order to build an electric car, you're dependent on uh, several countries that may not either be politically stable or user-friendly. For example, the uh, lithium that we get comes from uh, Congo, where there's uh, reports from Forbes magazine that child slave labor is being used to produce it. Uh, We also depend on uh, countries like uh, Bolivia, one of the largest reserves in the world. Lithium happens to be in Afghanistan, and the Chinese have already built a rare earth mineral plant in uh, Afghanistan. And after all the blood and losses that we had there, and the other thing is that uh, you need nickel to make the batteries, and Russia is the number three producer of nickel. So nickel went from 50,000 a ton to a thousand dollars a ton. Of the other concerns are the safety issue. You have basically a metal box, which is like a reverse Faraday cage. And you have, uh, four, one of the, for example, one of the electric cars has four electromagnetic motors. So you have four electromagnetic fields spinning at the same time. You have the battery. Let's say you have four passengers in the car. So you have the, um, cellular Wi-Fi, and you have Bluetooth all bouncing around inside this metal box, which is basically like a microwave oven. And nobody really talks about this. Uh, And also, I did an experiment. I bought one of these meters, EMF meters, and I went over to somebody who was actually charging the car while they're sitting there uh, charging it. And the thing, when the battery's boiling and charging, it goes off the charts. So nobody talks about that. We don't see the exhaust coming out of the tailpipe, but down the road, there's a coal-fired plant. And around the world, that's what they're finding out, that uh, all these countries that went super green with the sun and wind, like Germany, they found out that at night and in the evening and when the weather's not good, they're cranking out coal-powered plants uh, to uh, be able to feed these cars their electricity. So it's not as green. The other thing is the environmental damage, the battery disposal. Uh, right now, there is no inexpensive way to uh, get rid of these electric car batteries. That may cost five to seven thousand dollars to replace. Nobody talks about that. Nobody talks about that. If you're in a hurricane situation, you have to get out of dodge. Good luck trying to find a charging station. We're already seeing these big lines. The American grid is not able to handle all these electric cars, as we found out in other states like California. The infrastructure isn't there at this time. The build-out would be tremendous. We saw the disaster when there's a car accident, the hydrogen cyanide gas produced by these cars, and most rescuers are not equipped to deal with the dry so, chemicals doctor, needed.
2: Doctor, the important thing, to the, the, if we're going to go electric cars, it should be a, a, an option. Not a must. In other words, like, what the White House is doing is putting their finger on top of General Motors. They're putting their finger on top of uh, Ford a, a, and Chrysler, whoever else. And they're saying, oh, you got to get this done by 2030, 2035.
1: Yeah, but they haven't done their due diligence. That's the problem. The that's the problem. Years ago, they, the same thing years ago when x-rays came out, they were using it for acne until they found out it can cause thyroid cancer. And they were using it at certain shoe stores to measure the length of children's shoes. Same thing happened in 1903 with UVC light. They have got the Nobel Prize for killing skin infections until they figured out that UVC causes squamous cells and basal cells. And right now we have these big electromagnetic field boxes that people are sitting in putting their children so in. So you're in a and- box.
2: That, that, that metal box that you're in or whatever... It's creating the, what you call a Faraday cage. It's like Reverse in the Faraday old days, cage. it's like living underneath the Alpine antenna where everybody was getting cancer. <laughs>
1: That's what it's coming well, down it's to. Basically, everything's bouncing around. A Faraday cage is designed to block EMF from entering. But when you have all the EMF from the inside, the batteries, the motors, the Wi-Fi, the Bluetooth, the cellular energy, and it's all inside there, and it's not getting out because it's bouncing around inside. You're basically sitting in this little, in my opinion, this little microwave oven, and there's a team of concerned scientists who are writing to the World Health Organization say, hey, wait a minute, let's explore this a little bit more, just like we guest you had, John Howard, the professor from Electromagnetic Technologies in New Jersey, also talked about this, and he also said, you see these kids walking around with these little wireless Wi-Fis with high-frequency low power sitting in their ears all day he said having a wire is much safer the same thing we're just finding things out so i think we need to do a little bit more due diligence as a country and we saw the disaster what happened with that ship that uh, was burning with electric cars because one of them catches fire and then they all catch fire, and you can't put the fire out and that ship eventually sank when they tried to tow it in and It was an environmental disaster. Dr. Mikolos, nobody hears about it. Let's use
0: as an example my oldest son, Anthony, who works here as an intern, just turned eighteen. he's got his uh, learner's permit, He's going for his driver's license. He's put the arm on me and said, "I want a brand new dodge charger muscle car." We're at the Jacob Javits Convention Center. The auto show just reopened first time since the lockdown and pandemic of March 2020. And uh, while everyone was walking around, many of the people who were promoting electric cars, because there were many more electric cars and vans uh, that were being showcased than ever before, were saying, you don't want to drive, you know, a a carbon-fueled automobile. It's bad for the earth you got to move in the direction of the electric car. Now, he represents the generation that soon will replace the hipsters and millennials. The baby boomers, we're not going to be buying those cars soon. So that orientation they're getting about carbon-burning engines versus electric cars, that's going to help Elon Musk. That's going to help others who are just going to be selling more and more of those cars in the future.
1: Yeah, but you need to be educated. Carbon-burning coal plants and carbon-burning electric plants are feeding it. Just because you don't see it coming out of that tailpipe, it's coming out of a giant tailpipe down the road. And they did this study in Europe, in the European Union. For example, Poland, a great country, but they're burning up coal to charge up electric cars, and that's going to be a big problem. In many European countries, there's very few that are efficient. One of them is like Switzerland that uses a lot of hydroelectric and nuclear to charge these cars. But most countries are still using fossil fuels to charge these cars, and the grid infrastructure cannot just handle it. You think we have brownouts now in California and other areas? And the other thing is when there's cold weather, electric car batteries don't work as efficiently. The question is, the
2: question is, is somebody paying to fuel the American mentality?
1: It's a marketing machine, but when you have to look at the facts, and we need to do more due diligence as a country, in my opinion, and that's just like many other things—we jump ahead with the technology, but we don't ask what effects does this have on the human body sitting underneath four. It's a marketing machine.
2: Everybody is pushing the fact: oh, the environment is being harmed. This is the, the environment is constantly changing. I understand you need
1: that a thousand tons of water to make. One, you need to, you need a, like a thousand tons of water to just make a small amount of lithium. It's highly, highly inefficient. And we we're depend, our supply chain, as we learned through COVID, is national security. And right now, our supply chain cannot feed all the components of an electric car and keep it going the way in, in its current form right now. So we have a lot of homework to do. And just because of the uh, war happening and the ability not ability to not be able to get nickel, they estimate that EV cars will go up a thousand dollars each. Just because the areas that have the components neodymium, lithium, nickel that you need are all in unstable areas.
2: That China controls.
1: No, China controls the one the plants that are in Afghanistan. In which Afghanistan, but the d- didn't they
2: also America, lend money to
0: uh, Congo? Well, remember, Hunter Hunter Biden has been involved in those kind of investments, too. But on a different note, uh, Doctor, last week uh, we saw airline passengers dancing the Tarantella in the horror. While in mid-flight, the pilots, co-pilots announced the federal judge's decision to remove the mandatory mask mandate. There was celebrations. Now, there were some people who were upset. they put your mask on. But the mass majority were, like, celebrating. Then it took a long time. And now, apparently, the federal government is going back in. And uh, with all this from the CDC and President Joe Biden, uh, they're asking for an appeal. Why did it take so long? And why didn't they just continue on with what the federal judge ruled? Because eventually we have to get off this mask thing.
1: Well, we do eventually, but if we study 100 years of history, when you go to a hospital, who wears a mask in the emergency room? It's not everybody. It's the person who has symptoms, whether it's TB, flu, a cold, sneezing, coughing. They ask you to put a mask on because what masks do is just really for the person who's sick to put it on. So when you cough, they've done studies at Kobe University in Japan that when you cough or sneeze, your particles can go 26 feet. When you wear a mask, it just physically restricts the projection of the virus. Instead, it only goes three feet. So in reality, the people who really need to be wearing masks on any plane are the people with symptoms. But instead, what they do to make it equal, they just tell, okay, everybody's going to wear a mask because we're still in a pandemic and there's still, you know, cases happening. Yes, thank God, less people are dying. The death rate's down. So I think that's what it is. And it's also a risk management problem. When somebody has it on the plane, they're going to say, oh, you didn't protect us. That person had symptoms, was coughing, and they were not required to wear a mask. What I would do if I was in charge, I'd say, listen, if you have any symptoms, if you're coughing, I don't care what it is, allergies, you're coughing or you're sneezing, and you're about to get on a plane, those people need to wear a mask. Because that's what we do currently in hospitals. When somebody comes in, do you have any symptoms? They ask you and they hand you a mask. But everyone else in the waiting room. The reality is, if you can smell someone smoking cigarette while you're wearing one of those regular cloth masks or any mask or even n 95, that means the virus particles can enter. Really, masks are just a physical barrier to decrease the projection distance of, you know, a virus. And more importantly, they should be having UVC air sanitizers inside the HEPA air filters on planes, just like uh, you guys have. I know at WABC in some areas and and uh, and. and in the rooms that you have, you do have UVC right in your central air. I, I know we have it in our office. And uh, those kind of things, to zap uh, mold, virus, to bacteria, are probably much more effective than having people, uh, everybody uh, masking. And having small children masking at this point, it's kind of, you know, I don't think it's helping kids. Well, you know, they don't see smiles anymore. It's do- affecting their growth.
0: Dr. Mikolos, uh, thank you for your input on both those subjects. Info at gobblelaw.com. Gabo Gobble Law, where winning is no accident.